Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. So what's going on, man? A hell of a lot's changed since two years ago when we talked. Cause it's Has been, it really been two years it's already? Been two years ago. Holy cow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, a lot has changed. I've just been uh, doing all kinds of crazy stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, you're like writing a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I managed to write a book this year or this last year. So that was pretty cool. Other than that, yeah, I've just been hunting a lot. Um, you know, we're in the full swing of bobcat season right now. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that is what I've been spending my time doing. We've had some pretty, I don't know, poorly timed weather events that kind of screwed <laughs> up a lot of my hunting plans. But we just got this, cra- we had this crazy ice storm uh, come through the the Willamette Valley where I live here in Oregon. And it, uh, there was like an inch two inches of just solid ice on the road so we couldn't go anywhere yeah but luckily we don't get too many you know crazy weather events or anything like that Mm -hmm. here nothing too severe anyway other than like the forest fires in the summer but now how much snow do you guys typically get well where i live we don't really well maybe it'll snow a couple times a year Mm -hmm. down here in the in the valley um in the mountains where i hunt it's also pretty temperate i guess is the term yeah um so it doesn't get like it gets snow but we don't really there's not really much of a snow pack or anything um so last year we had a ton of snow up in the mountains Mm -hmm. um where the so i I mostly hunt in the coast range here yeah um and so they're not very high elevation like the highest most of my places i go are like the very highest is going to be 2,500 feet okay. above sea level. And so a lot of times, you know, you'll have snow like above 2000 feet that'll mm-hmm. hang around, Yeah, but it'll, it usually melts Yeah, pretty, you know, most it'll snow and then it'll melt. But similar, to but here. last year, like we had an actual like snowpack up in, in the coast range. So mm-hmm. now, I mean, from like where you're saying, like in the Valley where you're at, like, it sounds a lot like here. Um, Cause I'm, yeah. you know, people are like, Oh, what's your elevation? I'm like, um, you know, zero, like five. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. The the bay is like, yeah, I think we're like 10, 180 feet where at my house, but the, the, you know, the, the top of the Chesapeake Bay is like 10 miles South of me. So it's not, right. there's no <laughs> elevation here, you know, a hill, <laughs> whatever the hill is, but otherwise it's pretty flat, but you get further into the mountains and it actually holds snow over there. Okay. Yeah, the Cascade, the Cascade Mountains, they get a ton of snow Mm -hmm. to the point where, you know, I mean, they get like eight, 10, 12 feet of snow to where you don't like you get snowed out of places to where you just can't even access them. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really done I haven't hunted over there at all. Okay. Um, But I'd like to at some point. Mm -hmm. There's a the Bobcats are quite a bit bigger over there. There And um. There's not as many, uh, but they are prettier. They go. got they got nicer pelts, apparently. That's what they say anyway. Okay. So. <laughs> Get you a nice big one to mount. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce yourself? So, um, yeah, my name is Nicholas Isaac. Um, I am a hound hunter. I live out here in Oregon. Um I am still, I still consider myself like a complete rookie. (laughs) Um, Even though I I did end up, I did manage to write a book about hound hunting, but I am by no means an expert. Um, You know, I I really wrote the book from the perspective of someone who is just learning and discovering all this for the first time. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was an interesting take and and I really enjoyed it. It's like, as you progress through the, through the year, you're kind of like, talking about those steps in, in the progression. Yeah, that, that's really what I was going for. And so I guess a little more about me. Um, so I've been into hound hunting for, I think like four and a half years now or so. Um, I think this is like, I'm in the middle of my fourth actual season doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
before I was into all this hound hunting stuff, I've, I've always really been into hunting and fishing. Um, I used to live in Louisiana and so I got into bow hunting down there. Um, I never killed anything down there, but I, I got it. That's where I really, you know, fell in love with hunting in Mm -hmm. general. So I was, you know, going after whitetails and hogs, um, and I, I had shot a bow before I got into that. So it was just kind of an easy entry entrance point for me. So Nicholas, um, why did you live in Louisiana? Well, that take going back, <laughs> you know, rolling, rolling back further into my history. We're going to derail this for a second. Cause you've got an interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. life. For sure. So I, um, I ended up in Louisiana, uh, right after high school, I moved down. So when I was 18, graduated high school and basically I moved straight down to new Orleans. Um, so I am, a, I'm also a, I'm a jazz guitar player. And so I, um, that's what I studied all throughout high school. And basically from the age of 10, um, I started, I studied, uh, guitar music and, mm-hmm. you know, jazz music, like very intensely. Um, so when I went, when I got done with high school, I had some friends living down in new Orleans who wanted to start a band and so I, I actually was enrolled to go to Portland state university. Um, cause that's what, you know, my family's from, yeah. my family's lives in Oregon and everything. So I was enrolled to, to go to Portland state and pretty much last minute, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to go to class. There's no way, <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, so I kind of took my friends up on their offer and, uh, flew down to new Orleans and I lived in new Orleans for like six years or so, um, played music and, uh, yeah, we had a pretty cool gypsy <laughs> jazz band. Um, just a cool backstory the there is, you know, cause <laughs> I remember you telling me that a couple years pretty ago random. and I was just yeah. like, wait a minute, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So. so I lived in new Orleans for a long time and I just got after a while I got so burnt out on that city. Like mm-hmm. it is just a cesspool. I'm sure it is dirt. Like I love are. it. Don't get me wrong. I've, I'm a huge New Orleans fan of new Orleans, but just, I don't know. It just kind of wears on you after a while. Like mm-hmm. it's a constant party. Yeah. You know, every, uh, every weekend the city's getting flooded with, you know, millions of tourists from everywhere. It's just, it's like living in Disneyland kind of. Yeah. Um, so I got tired of that. And then I ended up moving up to Baton Rouge um, just because it was kind of like the next closest city. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, I lived there for a few years and that's where I really got into fishing and hunting. Okay. Um, I started, I started, uh, yeah, I started bow hunting down there and, but I've, I've always been a big fisherman. So I used to fly fish a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I got really into cat fishing down there. And yeah, I just had a great time doing that. And yeah, Baton Rouge is where I met my wife. So we got married. And then shortly after that, we, we'd been wanting to get out of the South for a while. So yeah, moved back up to Oregon, which is kind of my home, you know, my home state. And yeah, it's been, uh, we've been rolling ever since then. So you, you never hunted as a kid? Um, no, I never hunted. I fished a lot, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, we, my dad, he, we would go camping with my dad all the time and yeah, he, he'd take us camping and we would shoot guns a lot and stuff. Okay. Um, but he just wasn't a hunter, so yeah. he didn't really have the capacity to introduce me to all that, mm-hmm. which I always, it's funny cause I, I asked him to take me hunting all the time <laughs> and he just was, he's like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So Oh, I you know, know it just mean. wasn't some wasn't something we did, but mm-hmm. like I said, it's kind of random how how you got to where you're at, but it's pretty cool just hearing adult onset hunters yeah. and, and especially houndsmen. It's like right. how you got to where you're at because for the guys that weren't brought in, like both of us, we're not, we weren't brought up into this, and it's like how did yeah. how how in the world do you end up in a in a hobby that is more than a hobby? It literally consumes your entire life, so how in the world do you end up there? Like we're, we're guys that are born and raised into it. It's like, okay, it makes sense, but it's just interesting for guys like us difference that it's just like, we stumble into it. So, yep. Yeah. I really feel it's, I don't know. I think ultimately it comes down to the individual person, but, um, 
a lot of times I do feel like those those guys who are guys and gals who are just born into it, mm-hmm. man, it's just, it seems like they just have such an advantage a lot of times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like growing up around it, you just learn th- like things that are second nature to them, mm-hmm. you know, are like things that I had to learn like the hard way, yeah. <laughs> just being totally ignorant to everything yep. and just like stumbling my way through all of this yeah. but no, i i get it um, so a good friend of mine that i bear hunt with you know he's been bear hunting since well he's been he's had hounds since he was like 10 or 12 or something and uh you know he's we're roughly the same age he's actually a couple years younger than me but it's just like he's so much further ahead just because he's had hounds since he was a kid right so i completely get it yeah but so yeah i moved I really, it wasn't long after we moved to Oregon that I got into this, um, into hound hunting. Mm-hmm. So my, my stepdad, he's a tattoo artist mm-hmm. and, um, one of his clients that he tattoos is the guy who's now what I consider like my hound mentor. Yeah. Um, so he was tattooing him, you know, and he invited my stepdad to go on, on a bobcat hunt. That's awesome. Um, with his hounds. And then my stepdad invited me. And I mean, I was just totally in awe of everything I saw that day. Yeah. Um, you know, he runs 10 to 12 Walker Bobcat dogs at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this, I don't know, just sitting in the back seat, watching him run everything and just make it look so smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everything's kind of, or he's like the, you know, the, the orchestra conductor, like, yeah, you know, running the whole show. And then when I, you know, I just like peppering him with questions all day long. <laughs> and when I finally realized, I'm like, wait, so this is what you do. You spend the most of your time just driving around. You spend, you just like driving around the woods, figuring out where your dogs are ending up. I, I, I don't know. It was, it just was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, well, this is a really cool way to spend time yeah. outside. Yep. And it's weird, but one part of it that really kind of drew me in was the fact that it is like this inescapable lifestyle. Yeah. Like you can't really, I mean, people half-ass it all the time, mm-hmm. but like you can't really half do it halfway. You got to be all in on it. Yeah. And that's something i don't know i just always resonate with those kind of activities mm-hmm. um obviously when you similar with you commit to your uh guitar like, playing and you just up and move yeah 100 yeah so i don't know i've always been into like things that take a really long time to learn mm-hmm. and take a long time to master yeah so yeah the hound hunting kind of checked all those boxes for me i wasn't looking to get into it yeah um and that guy, he actually gave me my first dog, but he'd at that time, he'd never ever expected that I was going to get into hound hunting. Yeah. So he gave me, you know, one of a dog out of his, out of his stock that was just like not making the cut for his pack. Yeah. You know what a lot of people would call like a coal, yep. um, but just a super sweet dog. And, and we were looking for, we, you know, we wanted to get a dog at some point. So he was just like, yeah, Hey, you, you want Finn? Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, seriously? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, one thing led to the next. And just the more I learned about the hounds, and you, the more I uh, the more I wanted another one, first of all. I was about to say, so, you quickly uh, you know, got a pack of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many are you up to right now? Not fully on purpose. Huh? Is it how many are you up to right now? I'm up to enough that... Uh, it makes me really uncomfortable when people ask me how many dogs I have, <laughs> <laughs> but right now I got eight. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. So I got, you got the four adults. It's a long puppies, story, right? I got four adults and four puppies. Yeah. Yep. And two of the adults are, I don't hunt with them anymore. They're just straight up house dogs. Okay. I, I'm, I'm guessing I know which two, but just from reading the book. Yeah. <laughs> right right yeah so, the ones that aren't really talked about in the book very much yeah. well let's let's talk about the book for a minute it's called cat yeah, dog sure. chronicles and it's just your like we, we've kind of discussed it's your journey learning how to cat hunt but when yep. you first got started in, and i mean and you even kind of go over this in the book but you don't really 
you kind of glossed over it for the most part is you started coon hunting though when you got into running hounds yes because it was lower barrier to, barrier to entry we should say yes exactly and uh you got your feet wet you liked it and then what made you want to switch gears and, and go from coon hunting to cat hunting um so a big a big motivation is is basically just watching you know getting to go hunting with my mentor mm-hmm and hang out with him and just i just wanted to do what he was doing and yeah. I, you know it, it sounds silly almost it kind of sounds feels silly saying like saying it like that mm-hmm. um but just the whole advent the whole package is what i was going for yeah um i love coon hunting but you know at least here i think most places are like this you know you're, it's something you're doing on foot yeah. So like you're most of the time when you're coon hunting, you're, you're cutting your dogs loose and then you're fall you know, you're walking around following them on foot. Mm-hmm. Whereas with, with the bobcat hunting, it's really like a truck based activity. Yeah. So, you know, you're just covering, you know, 10 times, 20 times, 50 times more ground just to find the animal to run. Yep. Um, than you are with coon hunting mm-hmm. and, I mean, I, gr- I grew up, you know, we always, uh, my dad, we'd go, we'd go four wheeling in the coast range all the time. Just, you know, driving back roads, like yeah. looking for cool campsites, just, just driving around, just kind of messing around. Yeah. And so that's really what I end up doing when I'm out cat hunting now mm-hmm. is I'm just, you know, just cruising around in the woods, just having a great time in my little truck. Um, so yeah, like the whole, that whole, that whole, just the whole adventure of it. Yep. is really what drew me into bobcat hunting honestly the animal like I, I could care less honestly i could almost care less what animal i'm pursuing yeah um with the dogs it's just the style other than it. the fact this it's like the style and the the challenge of it um with the bob it's like a it's like a chess match with these with these freaking bobcats mm-hmm. like it's almost like it seems like a and I don't get, I'm not saying anything negative about coon hunting. I love, I love coon hunting, Yeah. but it's, they're just totally different things Yep. Exactly. with the Bobcat, yeah, like a successful Bobcat race. It feels like five coon races built into one mm-hmm. because you know, you'll get, go, you'll get it running and then you'll, the dogs will lose it. And so then, you know, you're getting the dogs back and you're driving roads to figure out where the cat went. And then you got a whole other, a whole new race on your hands and then they'll lose it again. And then, you know, you're figuring out where it went and then finally, you know, if you're lucky, they'll get it, they'll get it treed. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, there's a lot to it. And there's, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm so jacked up about all this stuff right now. <laughs> like I'm, I'm brimming over with excitement. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I get it. So. I don't want to ask you anything that you don't want to give up in the book. Well, I'll tell, I'll, so I'll tell you everything you want to know about it. Um, <laughs> basically, so, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people write books. Mm-hmm. And for me, it really came down to, so I guess maybe I could talk a little bit about my backstory some more because, so before I got into hound hunting, and even before I really got into hunting in general, um, I was a freelance writer for a long time. So, you know, I made a living like writing articles for different websites and stuff and mm-hmm. all kinds of random, random writing projects I would do. Okay. Um, so I really, you know, I've always loved writing. And at some point I really wanted to move away from doing the freelance work gotcha. because it's creative in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but it's not like i don't i didn't it's one of the things i didn't have full say over everything i was writing yeah so at a certain point i want i got myself out of that line of work and i just got you know i got a got a full-time day job to yeah. pay the bills um mm-hmm. which I, I i like my day job but it's you know um, um there's a lot of times when i wish i've had the freelancer lifestyle back because yeah. you know it's really difficult to make money doing that, but having total flexibility with your schedule, with your schedule (laughs) is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, 
but at a certain point it's just like it's so difficult to make ends meet you know mm. there's so much uncertainty oh yeah doing freelance work um but so yeah i once i got my full-time day job i wanted to get more into like creative writing and um you know i wanted to write a book like that was one of been one of my main like life goals for a really long time okay and like since way before i got into hound hunting and i had you know i've started and like got pretty far on a couple different books that mm -hmm. i had kind of played around with um i started one that was like uh it was more of a fit is a fiction book but it's gonna okay. be more about like fishing and stuff and mm -hmm. um i'm a huge fan of like uh gary paulson yeah. you know hatchet yep and where the red fern grows old yeller like all those classic books that are like yeah. you know boys love reading that's the kind of the genre that i that's the kind of style of books that i was looking looking into writing and i'll probably okay. i'm probably still gonna write stuff in that vein you know in the future definitely we need more, um, we need more, but yeah. more books like that definitely oh yeah they're a dying they're yeah. a dying category honestly um the only, um, I don't even know how to say the guy's last name. It's uh, his name, first name is Jim. It starts with a K. He wrote Big Red, and he wrote a bunch of other books. Um, I, I have no idea how to say his last name. Yeah, but okay. um, he writes books like you're you're saying. Um, you know, it's they're fiction, mm. but they're they're very outdoorsy based, and you know they're they're geared towards like you know young younger teenagers. I remember reading a couple of them when I was right. like middle school, high school. So okay, gotcha. But definitely, like you said, there's not many authors out there writing about our way of life. So, absolutely. So, but yeah, so like I've just, I always really wanted to write a book just to like ha have that accomplished. Yeah. And so, once I started getting into the hound hunting stuff, I really kind of realized that I'm in such, I'm like in a really unique situation mm -hmm. with um, just everything I'm doing. And, I just felt like I had a pretty unique perspective on this whole lifestyle, you know, as someone getting into it, like for the first time. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that houndsmen about, there's a lot of aspects about the houndsman lifestyle that houndsmen just take for granted and mm -hmm. kind of just assume that everyone thinks this way. Like everyone knows about all this stuff. Like how you just so need a truck. One thing with writing, yeah exactly <laughs> right um <laughs> so that was like big part of the book was just kind of like uh kind of i just want to tell like this whole i just want to like use my last hunting season as mm -hmm. the framework to kind of just tell a bigger story about everything that goes into hound hunting yeah um no i thought and, you did a good job of that like, thank you thank you like you said uh, and I, let's talk about the truck story because I think it's just funny. You know, you, oh, get, yeah. you get into yeah. hound hunting and then instead of buying a truck off the bat, you bought a van. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty funny chapter. So I, and this is when I was still mostly coon hunting. So I wasn't bobcat hunting at that point when I bought the van. Mm -hmm. But I, I, had an, I had an old Ford F-150, but it was two-wheel drive yep. that I drove around for a long time. And I love that truck. But once I got up to Oregon, like a two-wheel drive vehicle just is not going to cut it. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting in an accident. It was not my fault. Um, and that truck got totaled. So I had an insurance check. And I was like going to go. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy a hunting vehicle now. Well, I'm like a very idealistic person. <laughs> and I get these ideas of how I want things to be stuck in my head. And so with the, my hunting vehicle, I'm like, okay, I want something that I can sleep in. Like I want to be able to just pull over on the side of the road and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So I ended up buying, I, I looked at a lot of different trucks and things, but I ended up buying a, an all wheel drive Chevy Astro van okay. to hunt out of. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole chapter about it. Yep. Um, I called it the hound wagon <laughs> and I, I went through a, I built a couple different dog box configurations in the back. So I'd be cruising around in my stalker van, um, <laughs> you know, with, with a bunch of hounds in the back. 
and it worked pr- it was actually i loved that thing and it was super convenient um you know being able to just sleep sleep on the side of the road wherever i need to yeah um but it was a mechanical nightmare and <laughs> i'd fix one thing and then something else would break and it, it just ended up it basically needed a new engine yeah um so i sold that and yeah i finally came to my senses and realized that if you're going to hound hunt you need a pickup truck with a dog <laughs> box in the back like that is final story you know final answer full stop yeah dog box in a pickup mm-hmm. especially so i have that now especially but, with trying to hunt a pack of dogs you know pack of dogs and, and right, the yeah the van worked fine coon hunting mm-hmm. because i was just driving to spots and you know yeah yeah now with the dogs now out of curiosity but you know what you go ahead how many times did you ever actually need to stay, sleep in your van maybe like two or three times oh, okay so it wasn't like I was just it curious. was just if I was too if I was just if I felt like unsafe to drive home because I was too tired, mm-hmm. um, then I would just sleep for a little bit until okay. I felt better. There you go. And drive home. I, was I mean, I went camping in it a lot. Okay. So, like, I slept in it a lot, and it was nice going to work, being able to take naps on my lunch break. <laughs> there um, you go. Never thought of that. Yeah. That, yeah. Lunch. Lunch. Nap breaks are pretty nice. Um, so I, I slept in it a lot. It was, it worked out pretty good, but, um, ever like actually needing to use it, I really didn't. And that's what, like, I was sacrificing so much like off-road capability, Mm -hmm. dog hauling capability, just for this stupid idea that I wanted to be able to sleep in my van. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I, I get it. And, uh, like I've even looked at, so because I don't live where I bear hunt. And, mm-hmm. I, and also just other traveling around to other places and stuff. Um, I've looked at different, you know, campers and, and slide in things. And, yeah. But then yep. I always go back to the, what do you do with the dogs? And, yeah. you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Now, and I've even seen yeah, some campers you just that pray are, they don't get skunked. <laughs> yeah. That are even built up, and they have dog boxes built into them, but it's still, it's like, well, now yeah. now you're still riding around with a camper while you're trying to hunt. <laughs> yeah, so, those are cool. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like those that they make them in California or yep. whatever with the it's a camper top. Yeah, and, with a, you can just like two beds in it basically, and then the dogs go underneath. Yep. I really I want one of those so oh, badly. They're so cool, but um, like I said, for me, yeah. I just don't see it being a very a practical solution right yeah so, exactly giving right. up yeah and see so i'm this is something i'm still working towards mm-hmm. but like the way my mentor hunts and a lot of bobcat fox hunters well i mean bear hunters too you know like you're rigging your dogs on your truck so yep. like dogs are up on top of the dog box they smell something they yep. bark they jump down um like i couldn't do that with a van at all yeah and that's really like the way we hunt out here. That's the most efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, okay. One thing that's important about the book, I guess a big key point about the book is like really the main character of the book is my, my old dog named whiskey. Yep. So she was a finished Bobcat hound that my mentor gave me. She was like, I think 11 years old when he gave her to me 11 or 12. She was super old, Um, but still healthy, agile, like tons of energy. Mm -hmm. She could put in, you know, 10, 15 mile days. No, no problem at all. Um, So she was like really the one teaching me how to do all this stuff. Yeah. Um, And she was like a bona fide rig dog. Mm -hmm. So she, you know, I'd have her up on my dog box and she would strike every little bit of cat scent she would smell. Yeah. And she was 100% broke to the point where if she was barking, I was, you know, very certain that it was a cat. Yeah. Which that is, if I didn't have whiskey you when would. I did, like there probably wouldn't be a book at this point. Yeah. Because it would have been such a nightmare. She taught you a lot, like the book by Ed Vance, Trained by a Hound Dog. And, 
and she trained yeah. you in a lot of Similar. ways. One hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But uh, I I get it, and that's awesome, and that's awesome that your mentor you know, gave her to you for you to be able to learn yep. and, and teach your she other was, dogs. And yeah, she was getting to the point where she just couldn't keep up with his pack. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a bunch of, you know, he he had a bunch of young dogs last year like one, you know, in the one year old range, they were just, yep. you know, he's getting the, them started. And, um, yeah, he was like, he, she was the oldest dog in his pack and, and he knew I needed some help. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, actually, yeah. I, unfortunately I was just sitting, what's that? I was just sitting down reading my uh, bear hunting magazine earlier, uh, before we did this. And uh-huh. there's actually a, an article in there by bear about, you know, old dogs being, oh, cool. you know, the old reliable and, being worth yep. their weight in gold and that oh man proved very true for you oh definitely yeah with her with whiskey like i i became the limiting factor for her mm-hmm. because um like she could go you know she could rig a dog rig a bobcat from the truck you know going 15 miles down the road miles an hour down the road and she could run and catch it, run and tree it on her own mm-hmm. when my mentor was hunting her. Yeah. Now you take that same finished dog and you give it to someone who doesn't know what they're doing at all. <laughs> that, that's another, that was another kind of point I was trying to get across in the book is that just because you have this finished dog doesn't mean that you personally are going to be able to do anything with it. Yeah. Because it's half... So my mentor, he, he says, he tells me it's 99% on you and only 1% on the dog. Some people will, I've heard other people say, and it's like 80% on you, 20% on the dogs. Mm -hmm. Some people think it's more on the dogs. Regardless, it's still teamwork, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Whichever way you think the percentage works out. (laughs) Sure. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that was a really, I mean, that was a super... I mean, that's like the whole roller coaster ride of the book is that, mm-hmm. yeah, that, and that was like my personal struggle through it all was like, man, I should just be catching bobcats every day <laughs> with this dog because she's been on hundreds of them and she yeah. knows what she's doing. And then it just made me feel like, man, I suck so bad at this. <laughs> but, but yeah. But you did find um, some success. It's not a, yeah, yeah, it ended up like I mean that's the, I can't give that part of part yeah, of the book no, no, away. That's the that's the climax. Yep. But that's all we're gonna say about it. That tells you all about it in the book. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's like chapter eleven or something where mm-hmm. it all comes together. But. Um. Yeah. Unfortunately, whiskey. She actually passed away. Uh, a couple months ago. I think it was like about a month before I published the book. So it would have been in September. Um. And yeah, she just died of old age. Yeah. You know, just fell asleep and then didn't wake up one day, really. Yeah. Um, so that's been really tough. Like I'm halfway through the season now mm-hmm. and I am hunt my I'm hunting like two main dogs right now. Yep. And they are the, you know, Cooley and Rue, who were basically un whiskey's understudies last year. Yep. So they hunted with her all season. They got exposed to a lot of stuff. But now it's like all on them to, you know, step up and and put all the pieces together for themselves. And they're doing pretty good. Um, But man, I really just miss I'm missing that confirmation of like knowing what what's actually going on. You know, you had a major piece of of your pack, you know. Yep. Yeah. That you no longer missing the secret weapon. Yeah. Has been tricky, (laughs) But, but they're doing good. I mean, this season. Well. They've, they've, they've treed one Bobcat so far this season. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, super proud of them for that. And we've gotten close a lot of times other than that. The problem, the problem that they run into is they know how to, they know how to find the track. They know how to, you know, they know how to strike it basically off the road. They're getting a lot better at cold trailing that track up Mm -hmm. to get the cat jumped. So, you know, they're bringing those pieces together. They're getting better at running the cat when it's jumped. Yeah. They're really struggling with losses. Mm -hmm. Like if that cat, you know, 
uh, starts playing tricks on them. Yep. They'll, you know, like, like the coast range here where I hunt is just so steep and just tangled up and yeah. there's down timber everywhere. It's just a mess. So, you know, the cat will end up in like a chunk of like just old deadfall. Yeah. And there's a million hiding places. It could just, you know, it's just going to tuck itself away for a split second while the dogs run right past it. Yep. And so that's where like, you know, those old dogs, they know all the tricks. They know how to find them Exactly. and, and, and pick up those losses. The other really just huge challenge is once they get it treed, actually having the skills uh, an experience to be able to locate it in the tree. Yep. So like we have some really, really tall trees here. Yep. And sometimes those bobcats, they'll go all the way to the top of the, of like a giant spruce tree. And I don't even know how you would see what, see it once it's up there. Yeah. Like that, that's where it becomes so frustrating for me is because I'm like, they did like, all they did work. all this work. <laughs> I hiked my butt into where they are, mm -hmm. which is usually not very easy. And then we can't find the stupid cat in the tree. Yep. Still learning the ropes on a few things, but you know, I think what oh, they're yeah. struggling on is pretty commonplace, like uh, of things to struggle on for a bobcat dog from like, yeah. granted I'm not a bobcat hunter, but from all the podcasts I have listened to, you know, it kind of sounds like that's what most bobcat hunters, uh, that's the stumbling block for for a lot of bobcat hunters. Yep. You're yeah. The there. locating tree dog is uh, worth their weight in gold. Mm -hmm. Now that's for sure. I, I know you said in the book that your mentor runs like the running, the the st the typical western you know west coast running dog tree dog crosses. What are you yep. running? So my two main dogs right now. Um, is Cooley. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a female. She's like four and a half years old or so. Mm -hmm. And I don't know her origins. I but okay. I literally bought her off Craigslist. Um, <laughs> and this is why this is when I didn't even know I wanted to hunt. Yeah. So I got my first dog Finn, and then Finn needed a buddy. So yeah, yeah we got Cooley. But but she turned out to be an incredible coon dog. Mm -hmm. Um. And, but she is a, she's half black and tan and half Walker. Okay. Um, people have speculated that her half Walker side is more of the running Walker style. Yeah. Um, but I have no way to know if that's true or not. Yep. Um, I've actually tried tracking down where she came from, like, you know, who, who, what dog she came out of. And I, I had no luck with that. Gotcha. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I got Cooley. She's just an extremely intelligent dog who like I, I've taught her every obedience command you can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I've learned you know, I looked into some of like the police dog, like Schutzhund <laughs> kind of handling stuff. Yeah. She could do all she can do all kinds of stuff like that. Um but so I got her. She's awesome. She is a little too uh she kind of sticks to the track a little too much. Okay. So that kind of holds her back with the bobcats because she wants to go, you know, step, she wants step. to follow that trail exactly the whole way there. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with a, a good bobcat dog does not do that. They'll like, they're just moving in the general direction of yeah. where that cat probably went mm -hmm. until they get it up and running. And then they're like on its butt. Um, um, so she will end up, she doesn't close. She ends up getting kind of far behind gotcha. is what ends up happening. Um, um, and then my other dog, Rue, he's a male and he is out. He's just straight out of my, um, my mentor's stock. Okay. So he's the full, you know, the treeing walker, running walker. Yeah. The, now these are not like, we're not, they're not taking a, a, a running walker and a treeing walker anymore. They're yeah. kind of like their own. They're yeah. breeding good dog to good dog. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of, you know, some like pretty, pretty close, uh, line breeding is, okay. go, is going on with these dogs. Yeah. So, so. but cool. he, yeah, Rue is like three and a half years old. Um, 
and yeah, he's starting to really, starting to really kick into gear. Mm-hmm. All a lot of these, a lot of these dogs that my mentor have, they all seem to be pretty late bloomers. Okay. Um. So, so yeah, like his ruse litter mate is one of my mentors. You know, kind of main dogs now, mm-hmm. but he just got to that point where he's like, he can strike from the truck. Yeah. He can get the cat jumped and he, he will actually tree it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a challenging part with the kind of running dog that's in these, yep. in these hounds where they can run the piss out of a track, but they might not be the most, you know, sticky tree dog. Yep. So that, that leads to some challenges too, mm-hmm. but good deal. Let's get into, uh, your puppies. They were a little surprise. You? Oh boy. Yeah, the <laughs> my my freaking puppies. Well, yeah. So it was a it was a true surprise. Um so my dog Cooley, who I just told you about, which I don't know if you got or not. Yeah. Um she she got knocked up by my blue tick plum. Mm-hmm. And and she had a litter of six puppies. <laughs> and I I still don't know how it happened. Because, like, when she goes into heat, like, I'm I'm pretty on top of it. Like, I yeah. don't, you know, I never, it's that first sign of her being heat. She's in the house. Like, she's, you know, in a kennel. Like, she stays away from the boys. Yeah. Um. At some point. I don't know how it happened, but he must have slipped it in and yeah, the rest is history. Yep. Um so yeah, Plum is a he's a he's a he's a blue tick. Mm-hmm. He's a beautiful dog. He's not the he he's like what I would say is my one true rescue dog. Okay. Because I got him from a guy who had to get rid of him for like life reasons. He okay. just you know, he wasn't gonna be able to keep him anymore. Mm-hmm. And that guy got him as a young dog and never really hunted him. Um, you know, Plum lived on a chain, which I have no problem with keeping dogs on chains, but like Plum, he stayed on a chain yeah. for like a, at least a full year with no, like doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So he just ended up being kind he's a kind of quirky. He's got some, some little quirks, but all the other, he's, he comes from really good lines. Yeah. So like he's got good blood. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't sure which of my males impregnated Cooley at first. I was hoping that it was from Rue. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the walker from my mentor, mm-hmm. um, which my mentor was not hoping it was from Rue because he doesn't want his like, he doesn't want his line <laughs> of dogs getting out. Yeah. Really? Like he, he, he doesn't, Give, he doesn't sell any dogs. He doesn't Keeps give any tight. dogs away other than like basically family members. Yeah. Um, and so I somehow got into his inner circle. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, I had no idea who, who was the father of these puppies. Um, but yeah, I hunted Cooley until the day before she gave birth. Mm-hmm. Like the day before Cooley gave birth, she ran 11 miles. Holy smokes. Um, yeah, and she had a, she had treated Bobcat with these pups with these puppies in her belly. So that's awesome. Hopefully that experience kind of soaked into the pups. Yeah. Um, I've heard all yeah, kinds of theories. I'm about kind that, of a crazy actually. person. What's that? I said I've heard all kinds of crazy theories on like hunting a female up until like really close because they think it, yeah. you know people think it makes a better dog. I have no idea, but I've heard yeah. all kinds of theories about it. I, I dabble heavy in conspiracy theories, <laughs> so I'm all about that kind of stuff. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so these puppies are, she had six of them. I'm a crazy person, so I kept four of them. Um, and I've been training them all at the same time as a pack, mm-hmm. and they're doing awesome. Um, I've got them on some coons so far. That's really my, they're six months old right now. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not really like, they're not going to have anything to do with bobcat hunting this year. Mm -hmm. 
they go along, they ride, they, they come along for the ride. So they've been riding in the dog box every time we go out. Okay. Um, you know, I'll let them run around a bit. I've been roading them a lot. So mm-hmm. they've been learning how to, you know, run in front of the pickup truck. Good deal. Um, and they're doing really good with that. Uh, but yeah, my main focus with them is getting them on as many coons as I can this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've shot out three to them so far. Cool. This year. So yeah, they're, they're super smart dogs. They got great physique, you know, they've got a great physique, like they're really well built. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're, they're super drivey, really gritty. Um, yeah, I got, I got high hopes for them, but I also don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> now, you know, I had fun. I had one of those accents a couple years ago and at the same point I was kind of irritated at it. But I ended up keeping one, and you know, right now he's the best dog I have in my kennel. So that Rio, yep, nice. And, and he, pretty much everybody knows him because, well, he's been on three magazine covers now, and he's and I post the most yep. pictures of him because, like I said, yeah. he's my best dog. So I end up taking a lot more photos of him just because I hunt him more. Right, right. So nice. Yeah, the these puppies they got they uh they had their first proper deer race two days ago. <laughs> it was epic. They sounded amazing. Oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. They ran it like a mile before <laughs> I caught up to them, but, uh, it sounded good. Like they got some crazy voices on them. Good deal. Got that blue tick mouth on them. It's interesting. Yeah. They have like a, so Cooley, she has a really just like a very clear kind of, like a, I guess, I don't know if it's a ball mouth. I don't know the different terms for their, for their voice, mm-hmm. but it's just like a long ringing kind of like a, but a very clear tone. Okay. Whereas the, their dad plum, like he's got the full on like Wookie kind of ball <laughs> mouth. Gotcha. Like he scares people. Like people think he sounds like a bear or like he sounds crazy. <laughs> like It just, that's it's such a wild sound to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they kind of have a, they kind of have a combination of those two. Okay. So like, um, yeah, like pretty clear, but a lot of raspy, a lot of raspy stuff at the the tail end of their little okay. howls. Now, so what did you keep? Are, you, are they all males, females mix? So she only had one female. So it was five males and one female. Okay. Um, so yeah, I kept, I got rid of two. Two of the males. Okay. So I got three males and one female. Mm-hmm. The female, she seems like she's the best one out of all of them. <laughs> they, females tend to be smarter and uh, at least pick things up earlier. <laughs> in my experience. Seems like it. Yeah. I mean, it really does seem like it. You know, like I said, we started this, like, it's been almost two years ago that you started a podcast and I was, mm-hmm. I mean, you had a couple episodes before me but they were all with people you knew. I think I was your first like outside guest that you really didn't know. But the yeah, funny thing yeah, is, is, I like right before you asked me was literally starting my process of getting into podcasting myself. So I'd like just ordered my mic and yeah, I think, nice. I think we recorded the podcast and I had ordered my stuff like two days before. And so, Oh, nice. It's just crazy. Like how, like I said, it's kind of come around and, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I loved, so I don't really do my podcast anymore. Like mm-hmm. I don't, it's been a long time since I recorded an episode. I think I did like 10 episodes or something. Mm-hmm. And that's the Hound on the Run podcast. Yeah. Um. So that's my whole thing. Hound on the Run is kind of what I post everything under. Yeah. Um. But I just, I don't know. I kind of just got out of the podcasting groove mm-hmm. and I don't know. I just didn't get back into it, (laughs) but since I published and basically I was just focusing on my, getting my book done. Mm -hmm. Um, it's understandable. So yeah, once I got my book done and published, I've been, I've actually, I I haven't started podcasting again, but I started making YouTube videos. Okay. And that has been super fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hound on the run on YouTube. So you're hound on the run on YouTube, Instagram, and you have a newsletter. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, yeah. So houndontherun.com is like a it's like a blog newsletter kind of thing. Okay. Um you can sub- you can subscribe to your email with your email and you basically just get you get it sent to your email inbox. Yeah. Um but it's really just like a blog. Okay. So yeah, it's just, you know, working a full-time job, I got to have a little, you know, in the in the, the corporate world. Yep. I got to have my creative outlets. So Definitely. So that's what I, uh, that's what I do on houndontherun.com. Awesome. But yeah, the, the videos have been super fun. It's probably the same amount of work as doing the podcast. Okay. But th- what I like about it is I don't have to worry about getting a guest <laughs> yeah. or <laughs> you just you know, like, do your thing and carry it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the response I've gotten from the YouTube videos has been pretty cool because it's just like something that you don't see every day. It's like, yeah you know, what I'm doing out in the mountains is it's not a common thing. And that's mm-hmm. what, that's what another, that was like kind of another reason why I want to write the book is because it's just not, it's like such a unique thing that I've stumbled into. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the video has been super fun. It's me just mostly not catching any Bobcats, <laughs> but <laughs> that's all right. There, there's one video so far where you get to see a Bobcat in a tree. Cool. Um, but but yeah, it's been pretty fun. Well, definitely. I, I encourage everybody to go check you out. Where can they get the book? So right now it's available on Amazon. Okay. Um, I'll make sure. We yeah. Drop I'll make a, sure you have a link to that. Yep, we'll make sure we drop a link to the, to, uh, the book and to the YouTube and the website all in the show night show notes. So if you're in, anybody that's interested can easily find that. Um, cause like I said, I, I appreciate my copy of it and, uh, it's a nice, easy read. It's fun. It's, you know, it, it's just a fun book that explains your, you know, I, I think it's the best part about it is you're not afraid to make fun of yourself and, and kind of show where you stumble and, you know, right. <laughs> which is, you know, we all do it. And so, and, and you make fun of it and you make light of the situation and show it and where you've learned from it and how you've progressed and, you know, there's some redemption there towards the end. So it, I think it's a, it's a great book and it's showing, like I said, that journey from getting into it to finding success. So thanks man. Appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate you coming on here tonight and uh, talking about your book and your hunting and just catching up. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media, and until next time, keep them talking in the timber.